Eastbound. Our gospel reading today comes from Luke, and uh, we will be beginning with Luke chapter 15, 1 to 3, and 11 to 32. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Several, actually. We're fast-forwarding to the third. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything... A severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then he said, then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, Bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house... He heard the music and the dancing, and he called one of the slaves and asked them what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command, and yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, 
Use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that as they are joined together today, the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. The first thing that we might see about this text is that he wasted all of it, and that's not an idea that's new maybe to you and to me. My sense is that most of us know somebody that inherited a large amount of money from a grandfather or a father, from a mother or a grandmother, a large amount of money that should have been sufficient to keep them secure for the remainder of their lifetimes, but a year, a year and a half, two years later, their bank account balance was down to zero or below, because like the prodigal son, they wasted all of it. This 46-year-old David Lee Edwards and his wife Shauna are from Ashland, Kentucky. David Lee Edwards never finished high school. He was unemployed and living in his parents' basement, had not paid the water bill in long enough that um, the water had been disconnected. He borrowed some money so that he could go on a date with his then-girlfriend, and when he received the lottery ticket that he, on a whim, decided to buy... He wound up with $73.7 million, which he could have chosen to receive over 25 years, or one lump sum of about $27 million. He chose the lump sum of $27 million and began spending at an alarming rate. He bought two homes in Florida, a $200,000 Lamborghini, and a fleet of cars that was so large that his neighbors in the gated community down in Florida complained that their community was beginning to look like a car lot. He had a home in Kentucky as well as homes in Florida, and so only a Learjet would do to transport him from one place to another. Forty-six years old, $27 million dollars, Twelve years later, he died penniless in a hospice in Ashland, Kentucky. He wasted all of it. There's often been said that there's a kind of curse that accompanies people who win the lottery or people who receive a lot of money overnight. This is Billy Bob Harrell. He went from stocking shelves at Home Depot to millionaire overnight when he won $31 million. Billy Bob was a generous man, and he gave a lot of money to his church, and he saw people in his church that he thought could use some money, and he gave to the church members, and soon everybody knew that they could come to Billy Bob. His family tried to keep them away because they knew that if somebody ever got to him with a sob story that was even halfway believable, they would leave with a great deal of cash. Within two years of winning the lottery, his winnings were gone, and he died by his own hand. He wasted all of it. There's a wonderful painting by Murillo. Murillo is uh, 
starting to be appreciated again, and one of his uh, one of his sequences of paintings is the sequence of the painting of the prodigal son leaving home. And so here he is on the horse getting ready to head out of town. His mother is weeping. His father's concern can be seen on his face. And the Bible's text describes what happens after this. And it describes in two verses the son's descent from having one-third of his father's fortune to nothing. And these two verses read simply a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. It's a story of rags to riches to rags again, and we all know these stories of rags to riches to rags again, from lottery winners to successful child actors who, when they grow up, have nothing to their name, to the men and women who can play basketball or football but can't manage money to save their lives. The fact is, unless we have some kind of wisdom... We're often not prepared to receive what we get. If we don't have some kind of wisdom, we're often not prepared to receive what might come our way. And so this poor son in our story is reduced to feeding pigs. You know you're in a bad condition when your job is to feed pigs and you are looking at the pig food and you are salivating. You know you have reached what the 12-step programs might call rock bottom when you look down at the pig food and think, I wish I had a fork. For a man in Jewish culture, it doesn't get much lower than a pig feeder Pigs were considered to be unclean animals, and he knows he's hit rock bottom when he starts to want the food that he's feeding the animals. And so he comes to his senses. When he came to himself, another translation is, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger. And then he forms a plan. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no, word, no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And as he travels back toward his hometown, he's repeating this over and over again. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And the wasteful son goes home. You always wonder what will meet you when you go home under these circumstances. 
It was a pleasant surprise for this son who had gone far away. He set off and he went to his father, but while he was still all far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran, and he put his arms around him, and he kissed him. Now, to consider what a ridiculous sight this is, consider that the average patriarch of a family of that day would have been wearing a robe, a flowing robe. So if, if you go over to the 1115 service when I put my robe on and ask me to run, you will see just how undignified that is for a man in a robe to run. But the father who has been waiting and scanning the horizon finally sees what he's looked for and he can't wait to get to the son and embrace him. The son's been practicing for a long time. He knows what to say. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father doesn't even answer him. The father turns around to the servants and he says, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Another one of Mario's figures here of this, of this prodigal son theme. And we've got the, the father who is embracing the son. The son is wondering, am I lovable? Am I, am I worthy of even being in this household again? And notice, if you will, the color scheme of the painting. That which is in the forefront, that which is most colorful, is the servant who is bringing the robe the ring, the sandals. The gift is what is being emphasized. It is the Father's generosity and the Father's lavishness and the Father's acceptance of this Son who has gone wrong but has gone right again and come home. It is the gift that is in focus. Let's turn for a moment to the word prodigal because we don't get the first definition of this word anymore. The editors of the Bible, the word prodigal doesn't show up anywhere in the text, so the editors of the Bible have, have to label these paragraphs and these, these parables, and so they've decided to call this the parable of the prodigal son. Why? Because the word prodigal, definition one, means wastefully extravagant or lavish. Now, the next definition is because the editors of the Bible decided to name it the prodigal son. And so now when we think of prodigals, we think of people who go away, who live wildly, and then come back. But that's only because that word has been applied to this text. The word itself, prodigal, means wastefully, extravagant, and lavish. And the question might be asked, who in this text is the one who is prodigal? Who is the one who is wasteful? Who is the one in this text who is lavish? 
This is Rembrandt's interpretation of the prodigal son. And we have some, some family members over here, and we have the father here in Rembrandt's interpretation. And then we have the prodigal son here. And you'll notice that there is a figure in the shadows. And you can even tell by this figure's body language that he is leaning away from the scene. He is leaning and recoiling from what he sees. He's recoiling in disgust because he can't stand the idea of what's happening. He's the older brother. Then he became angry, this older brother, and refused to go in. And he too causes his father to be undignified. His father has to come out to see the son when culture would suggest that the son goes in to see the father. And the father not only goes out, but the father pleads with him. And he argues with his father and he says, Listen, for all these years I have been working for you like a slave. I've never disobeyed your command and yet you have never even given me a goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, this no good, good for nothing, wasted all of your resources, showed you grand indignity by running away, when this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Dear friends, hear me. From the perspective of the older brother, it's not his younger brother who is wasteful, extravagant, lavish. From the perspective of the older brother, it's the father who is wasteful, extravagant, and lavish. He is wastefully extravagant with his love. He is lavish with his kindness and with his willingness to reconcile. In the older brother's telling of the story, it's the father who's the prodigal. He's generous, too generous in his love. He's prepared to forgive, too prepared to forgive. He is ready for family restoration, too ready for family restoration. The father says to the older son, I am your prize. You are always with me. Everything I have, you have. We are together. We are in relationship. This you have always had. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is now found. This is a story of the prodigal's love, the father's prodigal love. It's the story that's told in 1 John 3, 1, when 1 John says to his readers, see what love the father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Of course you have disappointed God. Of course, at some point in your life, you have failed to obey 
what God has intended for humanity to obey. Of course, we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. Of course, there is disappointment. But the parable of the prodigal father teaches us that you are more important than the disappointment. You are more important to God than what you have done. You are more important to God for coming home than you are disappointing to him for leaving. You are more important to God than anything you might have done and any disappointment you might feel. God's love is extravagant. God's love is lavish. And God is willing to reconcile with those who are willing to come home. Do you believe in the prodigal father? If so, come home. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we sometimes wonder if we've gone too far, done too much, if we have somehow stepped outside of your will to such a degree that you don't want us back. And yet we find Jesus teaching us about a prodigal son in a way that really shows that you are a prodigal father. That the love you give us is lavish, extraordinary, amazing. And so we come home. We come home believing that you will embrace us, put a ring on our finger, a cloak around us, sandals for our feet, and you will invite us to dine at your table. Praise you, magnificent Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. So this song I'm going to do is called